Because I remember a certain point in time, we were like six months in and we got the A7S II and I was like, people are doing slow motion. We had to do 120p. Like there's no, we, that's what we had to Meanwhile, do. Meanwhile, I'm like, nope, our vlog's resolution is 4K. We are not mixing inferior low resolution <laughs> footage. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Golden Hour Podcast brought to you by Polar Pro. I'm your host, Dave Mays, and today's guests are Becky and Chris. Becky and Chris have grown a substantial YouTube channel as well as an active Instagram and Twitter account, but they don't just do social media content. Chris is actually a full-time radiologist and is an actual doctor, Dr. Chris. And Becky, with her graphic design and interior design background, blends this beautiful artistic vision to everything that they do together. One of the things that makes their content really stand out and is kind of the cherry on top is the fact that Chris is actually a pilot and they own a helicopter that they use as almost a part of a character in their videos. They fly all over the place. It's really unbelievable. You need to check out their YouTube channel to see for yourself. Our conversation went well over two hours and so we've decided to break up this conversation into two parts. This episode is going to be part one of our conversation, and next week we'll continue with our part two conversation. This one, we really get to know Becky and Chris more. We get to hear their backstory, to hear about how they started their YouTube channel. And in the second part, we will go into more detail about that YouTube channel, as well as answer some questions that you guys gave me on Twitter. All right, without any further ado, let's listen in on my conversation with Becky and Chris. Well, it's good to talk to you guys. It's been a long time. I think the last time I saw you was at the uh, Sony event uh, in Catalina. That was the only time I met you in person. Yeah. Remember when you could go on trips and like hang out with people? That was good times. Oh, <laughs> I know. Oh, my God. That was another life. Does It seems like another life ago. <laughs> Isn't it crazy how just like two months ago feels like an eternity? I know for me, like when I got married, the veil between single life and married is like, it's like a big chapter page turn. Like okay, this is my next chapter. I'm married now. And then the same for kids. And now it's kind of like before coronavirus and after coronavirus. It's literally like a full chapter page. BC. <laughs> before coronavirus. Yeah, BC. We should just start BC. the calendar over. Yeah. Yeah. So how are you guys doing over there? Oh, we're doing all right. We're uh, hanging in there. Home life. <laughs> well, Chris is still working. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I mean, obviously, you're in the medical field. You're a um, you're radiologist. Yeah, so I'm an interventional radiologist. And what that means is I use image guiding technologies such as ultrasound, x-ray, CT to perform mini procedures or minimally invasive procedures. And so as a, I guess as a healthcare worker, right, my, my, my routine is still pretty much the same. I get up in the morning, I go to work every day. Our protocols have changed, you know, at work just because we always have to be very careful. Um, yeah. And things have kind of shifted at work as far as how busy we are. You know, everyone's kind of thinking, oh, you must be so, so busy. But for anybody outside of the ICU um, doing critical care work and probably outside of the emergency room, you know, volumes are way down just because everybody's staying home for because all the non-elective, all the elective procedures have been canceled. So all the, you know, anything that's non-emergent or non-urgent is just not happening. So we're actually down um, volume wise. So I think that's kind of also playing into the fact that a lot of people are, you know, coming up with conspiracy theories saying, you know, oh, look at the hospitals. There, there's nobody in the hospitals. This is all a hoax. It's like, no, man, there's nobody in the hospitals because we don't want anyone to get sick. So stay home if you don't need to come to the hospital. <laughs> but yeah, other than that, that's we've, so I've been pretty, uh, you know, it's been more or less the normal schedule for me. I think it's interesting too. Um, one of your top performing videos 
ever on your channel. The second most popular video on your channel is one that you made a month ago titled, uh, I don't care about coronavirus because I'm young and healthy. Doctor sounds off about COVID-19. <laughs> and it's just you uh, with, uh, you know, your, your normal setup. Um, that must be a little, first off, it might be a little frustrating, all the, all the pieces of content that you've made that you've like poured your blood, sweat and tears into and spent like all this time making filmmaking and storytelling and music and B-roll. And then you talking for seven minutes gets half a million views. Um, <laughs> is that a little frustrating, but also it's yeah. kind of like, <laughs> it totally is. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. I, mean, I think each of us will probably have a different take on it. Yeah. But that video was shot at like 10 30 p.m we had i think we had, we had a gas leak in our house that night we did so yeah. we were planning on filming it that night i wasn't we weren't even planning on filming that video um but it just seemed like well, you were really mad you were like i need to say something about this publicly or i'm gonna flip well yeah it's because like i i remember like seeing on social media seeing friends i have on facebook who were physicians like mm -hmm. i saw one guy out a physician out in new orleans in mid-march when i when i at the time i released that video partying on bourbon street or wherever he was and i'm like oh my god and he even addressed in the caption like i know i should be distancing but i'm in new orleans and then like he just did like an eye roll emoji i'm like are you kidding me like you're a physician like you need to be more responsible and set yeah. a better example and i called him out on it and he was just like oh what do you expect me to do i'm on spring break i uh you know what am i what am i supposed to do quarantine in my hotel i'm like yeah dude and then like you know, i think that's when the tides were changing and the opinions were just starting to change and so I was like, you know what, we need to make this video because if you have physicians who don't even get it, then we need to make some. We need to make this video. So that's kind of what we did. And then we ended up with a gas leak in our house. So we didn't start filming by the time that got all. It was all like ten o'clock at night. Yeah, we were so tired. <laughs> I know. I was like, all right, I'm really just tired. I just let's just do this and just get it done. And yeah, we did. So from our perspective, we weren't planning on making the video um, until it just got to a point where I just got tipped over the edge and thought that the message wasn't getting out fast enough. And that's why we did it. But I think, you know, from our channel is concerned, from from the perspective of our channel, we don't really have that much of a niche. Like, yeah, we're sort of centered in photo video, but we kind of branch out all over the place. So for me, I just viewed it as another extension, no different than if we did like, I don't know, a helicopter video or something. But mm -hmm. what happened though? I mean, it's it's got half a million views in a month. I mean, did some articles pick it up or blogs or like, was it shared in outside of our little filmmaking community somehow? Uh, I don't really know if there was one particular source that drove the traffic. It I think started, it, it picked up really quickly. Like it was be, like quicker than any of our videos ever have. And I think it was one of those things where like people were looking for a trusted voice about what was happening. And it was like, people agreed so they would share it or they would comment so like the first like you know couple of hours i think we pretty quickly hit a nice amount of you i don't remember the number yeah, i don't remember the metrics now but people were really supportive and they were sharing it in their communities like outside of like you said outside of the photo video world and then we posted it on facebook as well it did pretty good on facebook as well for i feel like it's got a hundred thousand views on facebook which is more than I, we've ever gotten on any because facebook for us is, is essentially nothing yeah like there's we don't have five any... people see ourselves yeah i know it's <laughs> There's nobody over us following us on Facebook. And yeah. then I put it on IGTV as well, and it got more views there than any of my other videos. So I think it's just it was just the right place, right time. And it was in that critical period where a decent number of people weren't really on board with the social distancing yet, and there was a big divide. So people who were already kind of seeing the importance of it were trying to use it as to convince their friends and family. So that's probably why it did so well. But I don't think... Yeah, I know it... it ended up on Reddit and I don't know if it was that was a big traffic driving phenomenon there but 
it just seemed like wherever we put it, it did well. Mm-hmm. Oh, it was a great thumbnail too. You look like a boss, and uh, you got your scrubs on. <laughs> that, was, that was a creative choice, I guess, to wear the scrubs, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, I figured. Well, no one's gonna believe me if I'm not wearing scrubs, so I have to wear scrubs. <laughs> well, it's funny because like a lot of our audience don't really know what you do for a living. Like, I think some of them were even kind of surprised that you were a doctor. Like, some of them know, but like some of them don't because they see us as like doing whatever the f- we do on the internet. <laughs> I, I just think people assume that if they see people doing YouTube, then that's what they do. Then for, that's what they do. Yeah. Which is funny because, you know, like two decades ago or a decade ago, even, you know, a career on YouTube wasn't really a thing. And people would always just assume that you did something else. But now it's like flipped. It's like it's now standard that people have careers online. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. It's more of a shock that like, oh, you do something else. Like, you know, wh- why do you do that? <laughs> you know? Exactly. But no, I... Uh, I totally understand. We've interviewed a lot of guests on the show that that actually do other things outside of it. We just did Tyler Stallman. Uh, that that show went live this week, and you know he he does all sorts of different things uh, in addition to the YouTube channel. Um, Jevin Dovey, creator who's also a freelance filmmaker, a lot of freelance shooters out there. But I mean, for you, Chris, it is quite a quite a left field thing. I mean, all the people I just listed, they're in the creative uh, industry. You're a freaking uh, doctor, so uh, you know. Yeah, I'm kind of weird. You're not. Are you a doctor? <laughs> are, you, are you actually a doctor, Doctor Chris? Yes. Yeah, I graduated medical school in 2011. It's amazing. Um, I think it's so cool, though. That's what makes you so unique, and that's what's so great about YouTube. Is I think the people that are most successful really just lean into those unique aspects of themselves. And uh, a lot of people would say, well, you know, maybe we shouldn't talk about Chris's medical uh, background and just focus on the photography filmmaking space but that's what makes you guys so unique is the color and the um you know different things that you have in your life with the helicopter with the um with the interior design and like all this type of stuff that's what makes you guys so great so by the way if if you're not familiar with becky and chris we just started this podcast uh (laughs) go check them out on youtube twitter instagram everywhere that you know, social media people put stuff out, go check them out because they're an amazing couple. And I've always been a little confused, actually, like, who are you? It's like this entity of like two people that respond and message to people like who's actually speaking to me on Twitter and YouTube and uh, Instagram, because everything says Becky and Chris, but also <laughs> Twitter has the uh, <laughs> Becky and then in parentheses and Chris. So I assume <laughs> Becky, you're you're the Twitter person, but <laughs> yeah, I'm the all of the things person. If you're talking to me okay. on Instagram, <laughs> Twitter, most of the comments on YouTube, like it's all me, because Chris, like I mean, Chris works during the day, so he doesn't have a lot of time. So YouTube right now and like social media is like my job, and uh, so yeah, I'm just cool. the person behind the thing. Unless there's like something comes through where it's like a Chris specific question or yeah. something that I think that he could probably respond to better, like. I would say 95% of the time, it's me. If anything comes off as nerdy or less cheery, it's probably me. (laughs) (laughs) I assume you guys share, you know, the account and stuff. So sometimes, Chris, you'll chime in as well. Yeah, like I can pop on. And we've got a kind of a system where I'll sort of peruse the comments. um, And I'll see one that's unanswered or like unhearted. And it's a long-winded technical thing, and I'll know that I'll just respond to it. Yeah, I usually leave those yeah. for him, like knowing that he's going to be looking. Like I'm just like, okay, Chris will answer that one better than I could. So, but or you'll DM, <laughs> or you'll send me a text saying like, hey, there's a technical question that would be better suited for you, or something about your something job, about helicopters, or something. Yeah. yeah, 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 sure, yeah, that's very specific. Although you could answer probably most of the helicopter stuff now. Well, 
<laughs> I don't think I would probably answer. I mean, let's right. start. Let's start at the beginning. Uh, not the very beginning, uh, you know, but like <laughs> your relationship in like. <laughs> I was just going to say, the hospital room where my mother was. Yeah. <laughs> no, sorry. In the womb. We can edit that out, right? <laughs> yeah. We are the worst, by the way. No, that's what makes it great. That's that's what podcasts are all about, guys. Come on. You <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So, how'd you guys meet? How'd that, how'd that work out? Chris and I met in high school. We were high school sweethearts. Um, he was in... Uh, supposed to be going into like advanced AP art and I was in grade 10 going into level one art and he decided that he was too lazy to do the advanced art so he decided to do level one art instead so we ended uh. up in the same class <laughs> and Chris at the time actually was really maybe I film. wanted to meet grade 10 babes yeah ew. <laughs> well, <laughs> well you met a grade 10 That's I don't amazing. know about a babe but you, you did meet me so um, but at the time Chris was really into film so he's making um, BMX films and he was like premiering them and that was like his you know, big kind of like passion at the time. And so I, I remember seeing, you know, being in the art class with him and seeing all the stuff he was into and like, had, she had a, a crush on my had, breast friend. No, your breast friend. Is that what you just said? Your breast yeah, friend. Whatever, like I, don't breast. Know I don't know what you're into. <laughs> I had a little bit of a crush on his, on his best friend, but then I started talking to you during our class. And despite you wiping my germs on people using a ruler, Look, I man, still that was, that was, was my, into you. That was my teenage game. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> that was that's called flirting becky look it up yeah being mean to a girl uh, it worked did work that's amazing you guys are high school sweethearts then we are yeah, yeah we got right? funneled did into the dark go room. out in high school we did yeah so we um were in the we went into the dark room to do a project together during school we're the only people you can't see my eyebrows no he's right doing now. the eyebrows stop <laughs> you're distracting me um we we had to go into the dark room for this project and uh that was like our first like interaction just you and me and in the dark in the dark and he ruined an entire stack of photo paper it was hilarious but um <laughs> yeah so we started dating in 03 he gave me his icq number wrote it on my sketchbook 4872 look it up i had dial up at the time and i was only allowed on the internet for like an hour a day and i'd like log on to icq and see if chris was there and if he wasn't then i'd like log off and save my hour for like later in the evening oh my god your dial up <laughs> oh my dial up internet i know um yeah and we just we've been together ever since like it's been what um, is Wait a minute. Is ICQ like uh, like AOL Instant Messenger or something? Yeah. Yeah. It was very popular in our, in I guess Can in Canada. In Canada, yeah. yeah. I never used that. But yeah, I just searched it on Google and it's just a, an IM thing. Yeah, it's like that's uh, cool. I seek you. Oh, that's cute. It's plan, plan yeah. letters. <laughs> little plan words. Plan letters. <laughs> really quirky. Those uh, those Silicon Valley companies, they're always coming up with something like that. Uh, <laughs> Okay, so so what happens then? You guys graduate, you stay in love, I guess, all the way through college, medical school, all that kind of stuff, or was there a little back and forth? Like, uh, she broke up with me when the... I went to med school. <laughs> yeah, I did. Well, it's oh, funny, no. like we, um, <laughs> the transition from like him, both of us being in high school, to him being in college and me still being in high school. He had like come over for lunch, and it was really good. But like, obviously, college coursework is crazy, and so when he got into med school he was studying a lot and you know wasn't around a lot i guess homegirl and, broke up with me because i was dedicated to my studies wow no you were playing a lot <laughs> of video games you're, and not calling me you're back. gonna look like a bad guy in this one <laughs> no you were playing a lot of video games and not calling me back and like blowing me off so i i broke up with him and then why was i playing video games three... hmm? who bought me the video game i did 
Yeah. I thought you threw a video game. Legend of Zelda Wind Waker. <laughs> that was a mistake. Oh, heck yeah. <laughs> Never again. <laughs> she brought me Wind Waker for Christmas. And then on Christmas uh-huh. break, I was like, oh, I have to play this. He, he I'm not going to have once. time to play this when, when, when school starts back up. Yeah. <laughs> and I played the whole, the, the whole GameCube or Wii on GameCube, yeah. GameCube, yeah. yeah. Played the entire vacation and she was not happy with that. Well, you didn't call me back at all. And I never saw him at all. And then I go to his house like once and he would just like play the video game, and, like not even look at me or talk to me at all. So I was like, shag this. This is stupid. So I broke up with him. Um, but that only lasted like less than a month. And then we got back together. And then the Shame rest was history. Then we've been, we've been in Guess love who since came then. crawling back. Me. <laughs> it was me. Sometimes, I mean, that transition of high school to, you know, early adulthood, sometimes something like that is important to realize like, okay, is this for real or not? And it sounds like that's what happened? The breakup was enough for you guys to realize, okay, this is this is the real deal. Definitely. Right. I think it's it's weird when you're like, you know, 17, 18, and you've been in a relationship for like three or four years and stuff start, kind of starts to get in your head, you know, you're like, is this like who I want to be with for the rest of my life? Like I have never experienced anything else really. So like, is that something that I'm supposed to do as a person? And then you break up with the person and then, um, you know, that, that stuff starts to get in your head and, and you start like watching TV shows and hearing what your friends' experiences are. And then you're like, is am I supposed to be with one person for my whole life? Is that okay? And so um, you, you're still a kid at like 18, 17, true, 18. Man. And so that starts to get in your head. But, you know, after after the breakup, it was like, you know what? Like, this is really stupid. Why, why, are, why am I doing this when like this is my best friend? Um, I love this person and we have so much in common. Like it's just a childish way of going about it, I guess. So I mean, we were kids though. We were kids. Because you look at people who now are, you know, 17, 18 years old. Oh yeah. And I'm, we I'm looking children. at them like, oh my God, they're, they're kids. Mm-hmm. But we were together yeah, since then. We were, yeah. And also a lot of times, you know, those kids are like, I'm, I found my soulmate and people are like, yeah, okay. I know. That, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like typical. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Sure but, thing. Check back you know, in in like whenever... a couple months. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be interesting when if you guys have kids, it's like when they become that age and they, they go out with their first boyfriend and they're like, this is the one. And you're like, no, it's not. And they're like, but you guys did, you know. Totally. That's so true. Totally. Yeah. You guys, so. It's Do you funny guys want to have kids one day? Uh, yeah, Chris Chris wants to have a lot of kids. I We need four. No, we do not need two, two to replace one or Absolutely two to replace not. each of us. Do you want to give the birth? And then two to, uh, I would if I could, honey. I would if I could. <laughs> If you had to, if you could give the birth, I'd let we could have four. But if I have to give the birth, which I do, I think one or two, <laughs> two max. I have two kids. I got a two year old and a six month old, and um, it's it's amazing. I yeah, it, it kind of gives me a lot more motivation to, to to work hard. As goofy as that is, like I thought I was like I worked hard, but now I'm working even harder because in addition to running my business, I have to you know, be dad too. And it's a lot of work, but, um, it's so fulfilling. And I don't know, having kids, it just gives you so much more sense of purpose and then perspective, like everything in my career seems to not be as important as it used to, at least in my mind. Cause it's like, at the end of the day, my kids are all that matter. And so it's kind of nice, but that doesn't sound great to some people like, well, my career is the most important thing in the world, but you'll see. Your priorities just change instantly as soon as you have kids. So. Mm-hmm. But I'm just like so scared. Like everything about it terrifies me because I've never really been around like a lot of young kids when I was younger. Like Chris did like rotations through, you know, pediatrics and has been around young kids and is great with kids and I'm not. So that scares me. And like also just like the whole 
pregnancy, you know, what does that look like? And even with like doing YouTube and stuff, like being the one who's making the videos and on camera all the time, but then like put a pregnancy on top of that. And if it's a difficult pregnancy, that's really scary. And then what happens then to my career as well? You know, not that my career is everything because I think having a family is really important, but that it, it's just a bit weird to think about, especially because yeah, totally. I feel like in the since we started YouTube, I feel like I'm finally like on this weird track with my career. Like I found what I like to do kind of like, you know, in this flow of making stuff and, you know, building a business. Um, so it's just a bit scary to think, you, you know, you feel like you're on the right track and to throw something into it. But I mean, I definitely think it would be manageable. It's just really scary. Yeah. People have been having babies since the beginning of time. So, you know, but the difference is, things have changed culturally like like you said I mean career wise and then also family wise like I don't have any immediate family nearby they all live like you know four hours away on an airplane so um whereas people thousands of years ago they all like lived in the same village and they could like help one another and you know mothers and grandmothers were there to to help um the mothers and stuff so yeah it's just a weird time and daycare is a thing that is very practical and we take advantage of that sometimes. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know that this isn't a, a relationship or baby, uh, podcast. But, uh, <laughs> now it is, <laughs> but that's interesting though, because <laughs> we live f- far away from our immediate family. Mm-hmm. Like Becky's parents live in St. John's Newfoundland, which is on like the furthest East you can get and still be in North America. And my mom lives there too. So we don't have any family here to help us raise a kid. Mm-hmm. So that's, and coming from Newfoundland, which is kind of a very small town living mentality, you know, the, everybody who lives there, you know, they've got family who probably also lives on the island. So raising kids, you know, we we're thinking we actually thought we were going to live there. But, you know, and then, then in turn, raising kids there would have been a little bit easier to have that that um, help. But, mm-hmm. you know, we're not going to have that living in New York State. Right. Yeah, I think that's the other part that's like a little bit scary, like not having you know, something happening and not being able to like call your mom and have them come over immediately through like a three and a half hour flight plus two hour drive or something. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you guys are in Buffalo. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. We're in Buffalo. Okay. So when did that move happen? Um, that happened in 2017. So Chris and I, we grew up in St. John's. We moved away to Vancouver in 2016. Um, Chris was doing like a one year, fellowship which is like a work placement and we were supposed uh-huh. to go back and uh back he, to newfoundland back to newfoundland yeah and he ended up getting his contract cut because his the guy who he was supposed to be working for the hospital they didn't like that he flew helicopters and had this um you know social media presence and so um he lost his contract and so we were kind of like left scrambling looking for jobs and then that was 2017 we found a job in buffalo or he found a job in buffalo and um, we just decided to jump in and move, and uh, we've been here ever since. That's weird that they would uh, cut you like that. That kind of sucks. This, there is a, a very big story that involves that, which is you know we don't a little bit out of scope of this podcast, but yeah, <laughs> we'd we, be here for yeah. hours. Just uh, like, yeah, well, like... we, we, there's a YouTube video that we kind of address it on our channel. I think if we call it, okay. if, we call it if, when life gives you lemons. Mm-hmm. Um, uh-huh. or something like that. But and then like this, like CBC, which is the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation, the big news outlet there, did a story on it. Um, just because there was it was a bit of a scandal. Um, it was juicy. Yeah, because it, it was a big human rights violation. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, when it came down to it, it was discriminatory, and you know the, the whole premise was you're fired because 
you have extracurricular activities and we feel, and I was literally told, it appears your extracurricular activities outweigh your dedication to radiology, which was unfounded because there was, you know, there's no negative evaluations. There was, I was performing great in my work according to my evaluations. So it was just all subject, all, all subjective. Well, they drank the Kool-Aid of the social media, right? They were like, oh, you're posting on Facebook every day. And it was like behind the scenes, it was me doing it. Posting on Instagram. Posting yeah. on Instagram, <laughs> making YouTube videos. Because I mean, I left all my clients in St. John's because I did freelance graphic design and photography for like 10 years. And so when we moved, I left everybody mm. behind um, and started our YouTube channel. And so yeah, I was, that was like a personal project. It was. Yeah. And so I was doing all of like the, the posts and the video editing and keeping up our social media. And Chris was working from like five o'clock in the morning till like 10, 11 o'clock at night every single day, except for Saturday and Sunday. But these people just saw like, you know, oh, the looks Cole's like, notes. Looks like Chris is doing a lot of adventuring and not a lot of work. It's like, obviously, <laughs> like, I'm not going to post that on social media. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, so Hour yeah, there was 15 at the hospital doing it. Yeah, like yeah. that didn't, it didn't help yeah. the optics of the situation. And, you know, mm. so they, they, they were telling me this story or this one guy was, and then behind the scenes, they terminated my contract with under the guise of there's no longer a clinical need for my specialty. So huh. there, there was a big disconnect there and then it, it blew up in the news and um, ultimately like <laughs> the guy got roasted on online with all the comments because people took my side. Mm-hmm. So it, it, that was kind of a, a little bit of retribution there. But, you know, at, at the end of the day, we just ended up saying, you know what? You know, we were broken up over because, like I said, all of our family lives back there. We were Well, we were thinking devastated. like coming home, having kids, building cabin, doing that. And so we were devastated. Oh, when we... rapid change in trajectory of our life for Massive, sure. Like yeah. we never would have thought we'd be in Buffalo, New York out of all places. Well, and it's funny because, mm-hmm. you know, when I, I don't know if this is like this for you, Dave, but growing up in America, I feel like it's normal for you, for, for a child to go off to college, move to a different state, like move away from home. But yeah. in Newfoundland, it's it's not like you don't really move away from home. And even if you go away for college, like most people come back and, and live the rest of their life in Newfoundland because their family's there. Yeah. Very small town mentality. Yeah. It is. Yeah. yeah. So it was really, mm-hmm. it was really challenging for us, but also for our family. It was more well. challenging for you because, you know, for me, I grew up in Texas as well as Canada and Newfoundland. Mm-hmm. So I kind of seen, I've sort of been straddling the border. Right. So I've seen that more American culture, but I've also seen the Newfoundland culture. And so for me, I just, you know, I, I, I just accepted I'd be away from home. And when I was a little, a little, little kid, my mom told me when I was nine years old, she's like, Chris, you're halfway there. I'm like, halfway to what? She's like, well, halfway to leaving me. When you're 18, you're going to go to college and you're going to grow up and you're going to be somewhere separate from me. Yeah, jokes on you. You live with your mom till you're like 26. Well, yeah, that's true. I had to pull you out. <laughs> <laughs> pull me out of the room. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. By the way, I think it I think it is funny how the United States has hijacked the word American. Like if you're South American, if you're Canadian, if you know, if you live in Mexico, you could also classify yourself as American. Oh, that's totally true. That's so yeah. true, yeah. <laughs> you're from the Americans. Yeah. yeah. The United States have has just hijacked uh yeah, I'm American. You can't say that because it's like, no, you're Canadian. <laughs> but um That's so funny. I never thought about that. I, I guess you could say I'm a US citizen. Yeah. That yeah, was, exactly. Really, there's no other way I, to that's say That's what it. I say. I'm a North yeah, American. So I, I'm a, I say yeah. U.S. U.S. citizen, United States of America. I'm a, I'm a United States but of yeah. American. <laughs> exactly. I mean, Becky, to respond to what you said, yeah, I mean, it's pretty normal out here. Depending on where you're from, there are a ton of small towns all over the place here that uh, would probably be similar to Newfoundland. But um, 
you know, at least where I came from, like my brother lives in New York. I live in uh, California and my parents live in Nashville. So, and then my family lives in Texas and Phoenix and like, yeah, I've just grown up with like my whole family's all over the place and that's pretty normal. Um, but I did grow up in a pretty rural area and uh, I got to see the flip side of that as well. Like my school teachers went to the same high school they taught at, you know, oh, so amazing. you get yeah. to yeah, you that's see that all definitely the time too, like but... back home. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh wow okay so i got that was a good little nutshell of kind of what occurred uh we kind of glazed over um marriage and like that kind of thing when did you actually get married what year was that we got married in 2017 right before we moved to buffalo actually oh, wow. yeah so wow, we had been okay. like talking about marriage for a while and chris was like well we shouldn't really get married until after my fellowship until we can like afford to get married and then we were moving to the U.S. And so we were just like, well, there's really no better time than now to like get married. So let's just do it. And well, we always said we we're going to get married after, after I was th- finished my training. And I was finally in my final form as a job. Right. Just because it's, yeah. it makes no sense to accrue more debt. <laughs> yeah. When it won't change the Your way we live our lives. Evolution. <laughs> you fool. This isn't even my final form. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, that makes sense. Wow, but th- what a whirlwind of things that happened there, though. I mean, geez. Well, I mean, we we went and... we left Vancouver, and we had accepted a job in Buffalo, but we sort of routed back through Newfoundland just to kind of get our stuff, yeah. and then move. And then while we were there for like two or three months, we were there for two months, and we got married within that time frame. Yeah, we just basically had a small little ceremony in her parents' backyard, mm-hmm. only immediate family. It was perfect. Yeah, we paid like. 200 bucks for someone from city hall to come do all the papers yeah, i didn't have a wedding dress we didn't have rings my mom did some flowers i think the most money we paid was like the photographer yeah <laughs> you paid your buddy gave you a deal but he paid you, you know we, i don't i don't remember how much we like paid him two grand or something like that yeah but yeah my mom made the cake <laughs> like it was super chill and it was i wouldn't change anything it was perfect but that's perfect it, yeah yeah it was great and uh I lost my train of thought. I don't remember what it is. Oh, that whole year, because when Chris lot, like got his contract cut, that was like March of 2017. And then we moved to Buffalo in November of 2017. So in that like few month time frame, like it was like job loss, grieving that, find a new job, find a new whatever, move from Vancouver back to Newfoundland, get married, move finish to Buffalo, flight finish flight school, new job, new everything. Yeah, 2017 was a big year. Plus immigrating as well so it was a lot and and it's funny like looking back on some of our videos because i guess like as your youtube career kind of progresses and you your music tastes change like you change the music types that you edit to and so there's this period of time Mm -hmm. during that time where we used to edit to like almost like a feature based type and i can't this the when i hear songs like that they bring me stress oh really yeah didn't know that yeah well like cinematic score music no, or... like kind of like future bass, um, kind of like upbeat electronic oh, yeah. stuff. Yeah, like there, through that period when we went through all that, <laughs> like we were really editing heavily to that type of music. And I can't, it's some of it stresses me out now because it brings me back these like really weird emotions from that time. And I hate that our marriage <laughs> yeah, like was wrapped up in that time, but I also, it was also perfect as well. It's just mm. really weird. It's part of your story, was... man. Yeah. Yeah. And it's cool that you guys established your channel before a lot of that. And then you kind of rolled into it. And that was all part of the story. Did that kind of drive the storytelling of your vlogs and stuff? I I mean, I would assume that 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 having all that conflict made the stories more, 
you know, obviously it's not good personally, but it made the content good. <laughs> well, it did, I think, but not immediately. Yeah, because we didn't, um, we didn't really talk about it a lot. That until... was a very private okay. thing for us for gotcha. a long time. I almost had looked at it like almost like a badge of shame at first. Mm-hmm. Like when it was mm-hmm. happening, you know, it's easy to look back on it now and realize that it was a completely messed up situation for a young physician to be in, getting taken advantage of like that by a senior physician. Um, and the way, the, what I was thinking at the time was, oh my God, you know, I can't live these two lives. Um, no one's going to want to hire me. I'm never going to have a job. I'm a piece of shit. You know, those are all the feelings that were going through my head at the time. And it was very, it was embarrassing mm-hmm. because I thought it reflected on me and the quality of person that I was. Right. When it all came out, it was more of a one person who sort of orchestrated it all for personal gain. You realize though that it's not me. And it's just unfortunate that he tried to make it a me issue when it was a him issue. Um, so yeah. f- from that perspective, we kind of hit it a little bit. And not only for those reasons, but also because we didn't have a plan in place. Right. And I didn't want this to be something that I was blasting out to the public when we didn't have something secured in the in the pipeline, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it was really weird. That like, makes sense. We had made the commitment like for ourselves to put up a video a week. And we still like pushed through, through the last few months of Vancouver, like putting out videos as if everything was normal and nothing bad was happening. But, you know, we put up these like we went to Hawaii and we did this big travel thing and behind the scenes like you chris was like on the phone doing phone interviews from from hawaii and we were trying to like secure a position during those times and my parents were with us and they were devastated that everything was happening so it's just really like kind of this weird surreal like like you said double life like yeah what you see on the internet but like you don't see what's happening behind in the real scenes time. in real time eventually we you know we talked about it like months yeah. later yeah when it was all wrapped up and we were established in buffalo because i didn't want that to be a big political thing that ended up somehow affecting my career here so we kind of yeah. waited to I mean, to talk about it, but I think you know. Yeah, it happened once, might happen again, right? Well, exactly, <laughs> and I think that was what you know we were kind of letting it going to let it go. But then you know, CBC, like I said, did a story on it. They came to me and said, "Hey, I heard that you um, accepted money from the government to return to Newfoundland as a as like a return of service bursary, which is common because it's very hard to get physicians to come back to Newfoundland just because not everybody wants to live there, but." You know, we, we were planning on living back there, so I accepted. I was like, oh, this is a win-win situation. We get a little bit of help with our debt, and we get to do something we're going to do anyway. But when my contract got revoked, you know, my first question was, well, do I have to pay that money back? I mean, it's not my fault that you guys are taking the job from me. And the Minister of Health said, no, 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 this is not your fault, so you get to keep the money. Mm-hmm. This well, is a- we had used it for, like, moving expenses. Oh, it was, I mean, yeah, it, was, it went right on debt. our debt. Yeah, it yeah. went right on right to our, it was just like a drop in the bucket on our six-figure debt. But, yeah, it, that was, so they said, yeah. you don't have to, you don't have to pay it back. So it was great. But then, of course, when the news comes after you saying, hey, I heard that you, piece of physician, you know, took money from the government, you know, now you're not coming back. What the hell's up with that? It's like, whoa, 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 take a seat. You're about to hear a story. <laughs> and then they heard the story. They're like, oh, wow, this is a scandal. And they dug into it, did yeah. a whole like investigative piece on it. And uh, so they, you know, they, they were obviously took my side afterwards. But yeah, big, big part of our lives, that whole wow. situation mm-hmm. that wasn't documented on our vlogs in real time, of course. Right. Yeah. Gosh, that's crazy. Um, do you have any regrets during that time? Was there anything that you learned that you would have changed uh, hindsight now, you know, during that time? Good question. Do you have anything back? The only thing I regret is not 
this is going to sound really silly, but not documenting everything that we were going through behind the scenes. Because like you said, you felt a little bit embarrassed. And so a lot of times when stuff is happening around here, whether it's good or bad, we document it just in case to have it. Um, and we didn't document any of that, like any of the trials and tribulations or like... No, this, like what you were feeling, what was going what, on. Yeah, we didn't document any of those things. So I, I do regret a little bit that we didn't do any of that to have it as... We could have told the story, I feel better, if we had footage from that time. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, it was such a complex thing. He said, she said, with back and forth. It would have been... Yeah. yeah it would have been a, a feature-length film all of its own. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, that I, was... As far as the outcome, okay. I don't think I don't think that I regret anything. In fact, if I had changed anything, I might have ended up back there working with people who I wouldn't have meshed with in the long run. Mm -hmm. And I think that would have been detrimental because we I would have probably felt stifled as far as what I can and can't do on YouTube because they were uneasy with that presence. Yeah. So yeah. ultimately, I think that everything worked out for the best. I agree. I mean, we're able to do whatever the hell we want and nobody gets that's an eye at it because they're like oh you know chris is does youtube on the side whatever mm -hmm. you know still yeah, does so fine the, does i mean that's the that's the difference now is that when you went in uh, to your new job and you applied that i'm sure that was something you told them right like hey here's here's how it works my wife manages all this we shoot together dude it might they look like i'm <laughs> right they had at the time, they were like, oh, so you guys do YouTube? Well, we want to do YouTube videos for our practice. Because it's like in the U.S., it's like pri medicine's private practice, basically. So whereas in Canada, everything is 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 public. and there's oh, so That makes sense. Okay, wait a minute. That totally makes sense now why it was such a scandal. Because medical is tied into government there. Well, it's, it's, pay, it's a single-payer system. So while you have private radiology practices that are technically their own corporate entities, they are all paid by the government. But they're all working in yeah. government-funded uh, hospitals, so uh -huh. it's it's not like it is down here where it, it's a bit of a weird power dynamic. Where um, in Canada, it's it's you know everything is at pretty much capacity because it's a public system. So yeah. you know you've you've got um, everyone. There's plenty of work to go around for people. Whereas down here, there's so much infrastructure and so many people competing because patients equal money. So now you've got radiology practices, which are actually advertising directly to the public. You've got phys other physicians that are that are marketing directly to the public, and trying to convince patients to come to you is how you you know is a part mm -hmm. of how you get revenue. So down here, they wanted to start marketing and say, well, we need to start a YouTube channel to have direct outreach to the public. <laughs> yeah, and we want to make like we want to make a vlog just like you guys have, but do it for interventional radiology. Yeah, for them it was like an asset. Right. For was that the channel that you had temporarily with that other guy? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. So we 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 kind of weren't able to really. He's he's moved on to another job, so that kind of fell apart. But um, yeah, that was that was exactly what came from that. And you know, it's yeah. it's amazing when we moved here. We're like, we went from being ostracized for having a YouTube channel to now being viewed as an asset mm -hmm. for having experience on social media. So it, it kind of just Doctor, sh shone a light on the differences in the culture. Yeah, for sure. Doctor John and Doctor Chris was the name of that channel. Um, the lot the last video you posted was two years ago. And I don't know how I stumbled upon this. I don't think I saw it when you were posting it. I think it was maybe suggested to me for some reason, because I might've went on like a chiropractic um, 
uh, binge where I was just watching people get their cra- backs cracked and stuff because I, you know how it is, pimple popping and all that. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I watched a couple of your videos and they're great. And one of the things that stood out to me, I remember actually going through some of the comments and there were like uh, medical students that were like, this is really encouraging for me to watch. I, I love watching this while I'm, I'm working on homework or whatever. You guys are great. You know, um, I think... Man, I mean, there's so many medical shows on TV, um, a, a vlog that's actually documenting stuff on in the real life and in the field is, um, I'm sure that there's a hole there. I mean, are there other doctors that actually vlog? Is there a niche of uh, doctors on YouTube <laughs> there, that I'm not aware of? There is, I think, a little bit of one. I, I don't really watch a lot of them, but there are a couple like Dr. Mike. But it's different because like with that channel, we really wanted to blend cinematic montages with education, whereas a lot of the other doctor stuff that I've seen have just been kind of like sit down talk type videos. And they're a little more yeah. like what you would see on like a reality show versus like. Well, it's, it's trying to it's more them trying to portray themselves as physician figureheads like on the show, the doctors right. or like Dr. Oz or like do, any doc, or doc, any doctors that are sort of in the spotlight. They kind of try to have like a talking heads type thing where they really address pop medicine type questions mm-hmm. where our goal was not yeah. to do that, but more so to say, hey, since our since our, our practice is very uh, procedure based, let's just bring the viewer in and show them. Because we could anonymize it by not showing any patient identification and just show them the the nuts and bolts of what we do with wires and catheters and how we do our procedures. And, you know, it's kind of like when they show surgeries on TV, but this is us showing minimally invasive procedures. And combine that with the fact that everybody in the office is hilarious and yeah. just, you know, just showing <laughs> the banter that goes on between all the people and try to tie it in with a little bit of entertainment value mm-hmm. and package it up as an entertaining but also educational. It's trying to take the educational bit and package it with something that was people saw valuable in entertainment, um, mm-hmm. and they learned something from it. And that's kind of what our goal was. Whether and we, you know, we got like you said, we we had res- positive responses from med students, residents, and even just the lay public saying, "I had no idea that you know you guys were even physicians or that this this area even existed." But cool. uh, yeah, it was it's, it was tough. We it's ultimately found it tough to continue just because you know trying yeah. to grow a practice in Buffalo. Um, where we're always, you know, when we're not, when we're filming vlogs, um, we had to be on the same site and then we had, you know, the same number of sites we had to cover was how many bodies we had. So we already found it hard enough to take vacation, let alone be at the same site one day to film a vlog kind of thing. So it kind of ultimately fell apart. Okay. (laughs) Well, it was fun while it lasted. Um, Becky, you mentioned you were a photographer, freelance worker for like 10 years in the um, photo graphic design space. Is that right? Before YouTube? Tell mm-hmm. me about that. Um, yeah. So I went to school for graphic design uh, back in 2007, 2008 and uh, worked at a marketing company for two years and then really didn't like the nine to five type work. So I left and um, originally when I left, Chris and I had a screen printing studio, so we were doing screen printing and, um, we had the intentions of <laughs> launching a streetwear company, which didn't really work out. Um, we kind of lost interest in it pretty quickly, but, um, yeah, so Not I was, after, <laughs> but after buying like a full screen printing this, studio. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> Do you so still was, have it? Uh, no, we sold it actually when we bought our first house in, uh, 2011. I mean, we were running that for a couple of years though. We did. Yeah. So when I left the company, cool. my like kind of goal was like to do photography 
and to do graphic design for people as like a package deal, but then also to be able to do screen printing as a side, as like a, almost not like a side hustle, but like kind of a little bit. Uh, I think it was a side hustle. I mean, we were we were trying to launch that streetwear brand and we do all of our own in-house printing. Well, that's the reason why we bought the screen printing studio in the first place. But in order to like subsidize the cost of the equipment, we started doing printing for other people. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but we hated it. So, so <laughs> we, we, uh, we sold it all, but... Yeah, so I basically had my own company called Bold Creative for like 10 years from 2009 to, I guess, 2018-ish, so almost 10 years. So then what happened? I, I Like with YouTube, social media, all that kind of stuff, like when did that start for you, Becky? And when did, when did you kind of like get fascinated with growing your audience there? So... In 2011, Chris and I bought a house to renovate, and that's kind of where it all started. Um, we started a blog, like a written blog, to kind of like hold us accountable for finishing our home renovation. So that was like written and like photography. And I wasn't really into like video. Um, I did like a filmed like a few dance videos, but like nothing with audio, and kind of like hated video a little mm. bit. So, <laughs> which is ironic. The genre was like you film a full, like a dance a full choreography. A choreo, a choreographed dance routine to a full song. So it'd be like a three or four minute video. Yeah, that that and it'd be like, like on a Steadicam, and it was just kind of floating around the room. And it was like a wide like sixteen mil shot on like a full frame. Right. So it was like a wide shot. Um, I feel like there's like this small little community on YouTube that was doing like those types of dance videos. Well, actually, it's not that small because like a lot of those big dance like channels have like over a million subs, which is crazy. There is yeah, a niche the... there, though. But so, yeah, between, I guess like around like 2013, 2014, 2015, like that was kind of big on YouTube. But that was would, the only thing I was they watching They would never like, it wasn't like the culture wasn't you do someone else's routine. No, you do, you choreograph the routine. You do your own routine. With a group. Yeah. Like if you, wow. pro I, I would imagine that if someone ripped off someone else's dance, it would be drama. Probably. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway, so I was filming some stuff like that for um, some dancers in Newfoundland, but then also one of my friends who lives in Toronto, he's a b-boy and he does crump. So I did a couple of videos for him as well. But that was like my, the extent of my video knowledge. Like I didn't really like it. I didn't know how I, – I loved editing, but I didn't know how to color grade. I didn't know how to use After Effects. I didn't – So Dave, she, she's playing it down as if she didn't know what she was doing, but she actually shot one of the videos uh, – with a hacked Magic Lantern firmware on nice. a 5D Mark II, <laughs> shooting raw video on a Mark 5D Mark II. Yeah, but I didn't know what I was doing uh -huh. with like After Effects or audio or anything. I, I still look pretty good. I mean, I look back. Well, thank like you, that, Chris, when, that's when was that nice. video done? Like over a decade? 2013. 2013. Okay, so like seven years ago, and it still yeah. looks pretty good. It was such a racket, man, to do that. Like one of my cards just kept on corrupting, and it wouldn't work. So you had like 12 minutes of footage that you could shoot, but whatever hack it was at the time, like you couldn't review the footage back. It was like black and white or something like that. Yeah. It was just such a <laughs> show. So anyway, I like, it was great. No, I, I played around with Magic Lantern a bit too. And uh, it's pretty amazing. I had, a, I had a 5D3 with it and it was amazing. And I bought a 50D. I don't know if you know what that is, but uh, hacked that as well. It's pretty amazing what you could get off of those cameras when you actually uh, hacked into the raw feature. Pretty it, cool. It blew my mind like, being able to like edit these clips the way you'd edit raw photos. That's what mm. really got me kind of hooked on it. Because, I mean, essentially, that's what they were, right? Oh, it was, it was yeah, like, they were a bunch of raw, raw, raw files. files. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then you have to compile them into a cinema DNG or something. Yeah. And I yeah, love and I love that. The workflow was awful. Oh, it was terrible. Yeah. yeah. It was such a hassle. But, like, the end result of, like, the, the way that the grading turned out was really fantastic. But I was never able, like, 
even if I ever shot anything with like cine style or whatever without shooting raw, like I could never grade like that or get that same results. And it kind of turned me off from it because I yeah. really liked post-processing photographs like raw files. I could never get that result. So I kind of like just was like a shag video. I don't like it. So, but uh, so anyway, so going back to like the internet stuff, like blogged for years. And then when we moved to Vancouver, we decided to start a vlog because I'd always wanted to do a travel series. And at that point, like, I had done a few videos, like one or two, like interview style videos, but mostly dan the dance stuff. But I was like ready to like get into it to try it. Well, I mean, like you said earlier, you had to leave all your clients behind in St. John's. Yeah, so I was like, I'm you can't well do remote something. photography because no. most of your clients at that point were real estate. Yeah. So you can't shoot any houses remotely. And then it's like, okay, well, we know we're only going to be in Vancouver for a year and a bit. So is it really any point to try to build up another business here mm. when you're just going to be going back to your old clients in Newfoundland? So it's like take a year and just do a personal growth project, do something you've always wanted to do and use it as a time to just, I guess, grow creatively. Yeah. And you're like, all right, let's do it. YouTube channel. I want to do that. Yeah. So we like documented everything. And then like in like July, I think we posted our first videos, like our first or second vlog took me like 50 hours to edit. Cause I was like, I just switched from Final Cut to Premiere cause it's like very like well-versed in Final Cut, but then they switched to Final Cut X and I didn't like the layout. So we switched to Premiere. And so I was like learning Premiere, trying to edit this video. We had like friggin' like lapel mics on every shot. It was like shot over like two weeks, like separate on, like, audio that had to be five cameras. Up. It was crazy. It was the biggest project I'd ever worked on this like one vlog and i was like this is like not how do people do this like this that, is not that, sustainable that one vlog it was like 100 views yeah yeah it didn't get very many views but um, 50 from my video? mom and 50 from yours what's it called it was the second episode of the first season of our vlog called the trip it was when we drove um when we moved from newfoundland to vancouver we drove so we shipped our car to montreal and drove across the country got it yeah. and so we I documented it. it was yeah a big project for me so we were so dull on camera God, too. we were so dull and just like using lapel mics in the car and like we were using the DJI Osmo at like the Osmo Pro at the time where it was like a bit of a hassle and I mean mic issues and I didn't know anything about audio and I was like really looking oh to God. you to like oh it was so just funny. such a show but <laughs> so yeah and that was when I was just like you know I this isn't sustainable so I'm gonna make a video a week for four months and try to just get better and more efficient and by the end of the four months we were making a video a week and just kept doing it and have been doing it weekly ever since and now i'm obsessed with video which four is, years later yeah well now with log like you can almost grade similar to not as good as like you know raw oh it's still nothing near no but like it's better than like yeah. what cine style was on the yeah. 5d mark II. i just think it compresses the dynamic range a little bit nicer and you can yeah, it does. you can just get a, yeah. a more cinematic look that way yeah but a lot of people well, are yeah, against log like on editing raw so. photos for video that's what's so great about it but every every raw codec is different i mean canon's raw like with the r5 that's coming out is probably going to be very large and uh hard to deal with unlike red which is so easy to use you just pull it into premiere or final cut and you can like change everything just built into the nle and it's so great so not all raw is created equal um that's why i'm excited about the red komodo coming out because it's gonna have uh really good autofocus and it'll be like under $5,000 too. So and it'll be really small. So with an RF mount, so you could put that 15 to 35 on it and like vlog with a red now, which would be pretty sweet. So. <laughs> I would definitely drop it. I have like a hard enough time. Like when we were shooting on the A7S2, like vlogging with that, it was like, it's so heavy. Yeah. But do you remember how small it <laughs> felt when we switched from our 5D? Yes. To that. I can't imagine a red. <laughs> be so shaky. Anyway, Sony's been real quiet lately. See what uh, <laughs> they have to have something yeah, up know, their right? sleeve. 
They better. Yeah. <laughs> I hope so, man. Wow. Okay. And then what's what's cool too about that time period two three years ago? I mean, that video that you're referring to on YouTube it does say three years ago, but it might be more three and a half years ago. But um, that time period was kind of the Casey Neistat, Peter McKinnon kind of like time where the the vlog world on YouTube was starting to change. It wasn't just um, shaytards and like people shooting on a point and shoot camera. It became true actual storytelling, and um, it seems like there really was this resurgence of or this you know new format, new style of cinematic vlogs, if you will. And, yeah, that was uh, the, the vlog renaissance. Filmmaking. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I the feel vlog like renaissance. yeah, definitely. Like when we got into it. So I actually, funny enough, didn't know who Casey Neistat was until about four months into vlogging. YouTube was like pushing his videos, and we we're like, "Who is this Casey Neistat guy?" And we started watching him. I was like, like, "Why oh. does this guy keep popping up on my recommended sidebar? Like, who is he? Why does he get shared so much?" And then to- you watch his videos, and you're like, "Oh, his stories are really good." <laughs> so, but it's funny because you're you're right. It's like it went from the switch of like these rough point and shoot videos. So now you're seeing these channels pop up that are making like really beautiful cinematic videos and they're just like blowing up because the industry was kind of like mid change. I feel like when we started, because I remember a certain point in time, we were like six months in and we got the A7S II and I was like, people are doing slow motion. We had to do 120p. Like there's no, we, that's what we have to Meanwhile, do. Meanwhile, I'm like, nope, our vlog's resolution is 4K. We are not mixing inferior low resolution <laughs> footage. <laughs> We did it. <laughs> this this yeah. is the funny thing about Chris and I. Like Chris is very like technical by the book, whereas like I'm definitely not like that. I've I've learned to become like that because of Chris, but like he's mm-hmm. very much by the book when it comes to that. But stuff. there's no rule that says you can't do that. No, there's like, not. But just... you were like very much like if we if I ever overcrank my shutter, you would be like Becky, <laughs> like you'd be so mad. I get overcrank refers to your frame rate. I mean, sorry. Um, so. I understand. I know what you're talking you know about. What I mean? if, you're, yeah. if your shutter speed is, if your Plus shutter angle is ever not yep. 180. Thank you. <laughs> Technical. See, that's I mean, where you go. I always call things the yeah. wrong thing. You know what? I, I've I've actually Becky. Maybe Becky's loosened my my standards. <laughs> <laughs> you, Chris. She, I think she. Yeah, I, I've kind of relaxed my my. Um, yeah being that anal there's one thing that um if you're if you're not familiar with becky and chris's youtube channel uh that makes you guys so unique is the fact that chris is a pilot and you have a helicopter and you guys use it as a part of your storytelling and i mean it's so cool that you guys can just hop in there and just fly wherever the heck you want i mean i know it's not that easy but tell me about the helicopter and like i mean it pretty is it pretty much is that easy we could I mean, if it wasn't if it wasn't snowing right now in may we could, in buffalo we could and just, the border wasn't closed yeah we could just hop in yeah you know, we haven't been flying a lot lately just because there's not really anywhere to go so there's mm-hmm. not really a a purpose other than just zipping around and just to stay kind of current um but yeah that's uh we, we've sort of made the millennial falcon we've called him her it they uh-huh. <laughs> gender neutral <laughs> helicopter <laughs> yeah i don't know i still yeah. don't know what the gender is of our helicopter but uh we, we sort of made it a character in our in our stories the millennial falcon yeah we never wanted the channel to be like a helicopter channel i mean our channel is very nicheless like we do all of our channels a cluster cluster <laughs> yeah but yeah so when the falcon kind of came into our lives it was like okay well this is this is gonna be a character we'll like not just talk about like helicopter specific content, but it will be like the helicopter will get us to a place and we'll make a story about going to this traveling destination or sometimes you talk about helicopter stuff though. Yeah, I try to like when we fly, instead of just showing the same B-roll, the same sequences with the same footage, 
Uh, well, that's more so your job to try to. Well, my job is to get us there safely. Shoot the same thing differently. Yeah, but you try to you try to show different angles, and then what I try to do is if we're going to incorporate that into the story, I'll try to like teach our audience something new about flying, mm-hmm. whether it be you know how we talk to you know ATC or whether how we plan out you know routes on a map or what apps we use or things like that. This, by the way, this helicopter thing like came out of almost nowhere. Chris was studying for his board exams. Why are you giving me that look? You know it was true. 2016, we were, like before we went to Vancouver, 2015. 2015, 2015, he was studying and he was like, I wonder how helicopters work. Remember? And you Googled it and then you yeah, became Yeah, I didn't know obsessed. how they work. I was like, how do these machines work? Chris loves physics. It's true. And, so uh, you, you didn't like dream of being a pilot your whole life? It was just kind of like... So I always, I always had an affinity to aviation when I was a kid. Like I was really, obs- I was obsessed with radio controlled airplanes and too, yeah. <laughs> I, but I never owned one just cause I couldn't, as a, like a little kid, I couldn't afford to buy one, nor could I afford to crash it and rebuild it kind of thing. So yeah. I had like RC modeler magazines that were hand-me-downs from my uncle. Uh, I love flying games and things like that, but I never really, you know, saw myself doing that until like I was an adult studying for my board exams and then, you know, taking a break during my exam, during my studying, I was like, well, what am I going to do now? I might as well Google how helicopters work. And that kind of was the beginning of it. <laughs> and I started just learning about aerodynamics of flight. And I just found it really fascinating. And then, I don't know, something popped in my head. It was like, wow, you know what would be actually more awesome than knowing how helicopters work? It's flying a helicopter. And then like that, where we <laughs> lived in Newfoundland, which is mostly wilderness, I was like, oh my God, we're going to live in Newfoundland for the rest of our lives. It'd be amazing to have a helicopter license and to be able to fly all around, explore the island, see yeah. the the scenery via helicopter like that would be the ultimate that became the ultimate dream at that point and then of course there was no flight school on the small well it's not a small island but there's no flight school on the island of newfoundland so it became a thing well i have to learn to fly when i'm away in vancouver for that one year that was like i realized that's the only time i'm ever going to be near a flight school for an extended period of time so if i can get my license over that year then that's that's how i have to do it and it just became a thing and then, ironically, you know, the dream of coming back to Newfoundland and flying around the helicopter. The helicopter basically cost you that dream. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. Which I now wouldn't trade it for anything. But <laughs> no. Yeah. So it's yeah. very ironic how things worked out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, when people ask me, who's Becky and Chris? I am like, yeah, they're, they're a married couple. They have really cinematic vlogs and they have a helicopter and they fly around everywhere. And it's like super epic. That's like, how, <laughs> that's how I describe it. Because it's like. Who else owns a freaking helicopter? It's so insane that you have it. And basically what you just said is you bought it for the content. Is that what you're saying? No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> yeah, I hate flying. I just, we buy it, we do it for the gram, do it for, for YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it's such a, it's so cool. And um, not only are you a pilot when it comes to, uh, you know, an actual helicopter, but you do FPV flying as well with uh, drones and stuff too. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know how that, how did that... Oh, yeah, that happened because we were planning a helicopter trip back to Newfoundland. And I was, I, it was when FPV was kind of like, I mean, it's still kind of in its infancy now, but it was even earlier on before it sort of made a big mainstream jump into the film video genre. Uh, I think everybody knows about FPV now, but that was back when people would see FPV shots and not know how it was shot. I think now yeah. people can identify what, F, what things look like FPV nowadays. But um, I was like, oh my God, you can like, these things are so maneuverable. It'd be amazing to get a drone shot, take the doors off the helicopter, land on top of a waterfall, zip the drone through the helicopter and then bomb a waterfall. 
I was like, that'd be amazing. <laughs> and then I was just like, we got a month till we leave. I theoretically could learn how to build and fly them in a month. <laughs> just like when Becky went away for a weekend Classic. and I had really nothing to do that weekend. So I literally spent the entire weekend. I was on the couch, didn't shower, didn't get up, just researching FPV. Oh, it sounds like the time that I broke up with you after uh, you played that video game for a week, didn't shower, didn't get up. Okay, look, I have an obsessive personality. So. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. So that's how I started so flying back, FPV. So, so what you're saying is Becky is your hygiene uh, influence <laughs> correct i would not i wouldn't like eat drink sleep shower or anything if she no. wasn't in my life in fact now that i think about it like a lot of the times that you've gone and done things without me like when you used to go ride bmx at woodward like you'd go and you wouldn't change your pants for a week you wouldn't shower for an entire week why why would i because it's disgusting think of what's happening you're sweating yeah your pants anyway i'm, I'm thinking not. i'm yeah your downstairs must be real nasty are you there to smell it no, I'm glad I'm not there to smell that. I don't want right. to smell that. There you go. Get out of here. Well, anyway, continue that's, your story about the, <laughs> not showering. That's one, of the best things that, that's one of the best things about marriage is you're not trying to impress anybody else anymore. Oh, my God. That's so there true. There you go. It was only to ensure fidelity in our relationship. <laughs> <laughs> I digress. That's amazing. No, but yeah, so that was, the, that was the impetus to start flying FPV. And now that's it was become... the one shot that obsessed you. Yeah. Pretty Correct. Much. Yeah. yeah. And then it's been a blast. You know, it's really fun. It's satisfying. It's incredibly frustrating when they don't work when you're trying to build them. But it's incredibly yeah. satisfying when you get a shot that otherwise you could not get. And it's kind of filled this almost this little void because uh, we like we, I love getting aerial footage with the GoPro strapped to the nose of the helicopter and just getting these like mm -hmm. sweeping cinematic shots that look like they were taken with, you know, like um, a very expensive nose mounted gimbal. Uh, you know, like the Cineflex gimbals that they use for feature films that fly yeah. like Aries and things like that. Th th those things are like almost as much as the helicopter kind of thing. So, yeah. but to be able to put like an electronically stabilized GoPro just on like a little mount and just strap it to the nose of the helicopter and get footage that looks nearly as equivalent is just amazing to me now. And, uh, yeah. but you're still limited to the fact that the types of shots you can get are limited by how safe or how dangerous you want to get kind of thing. So, you know, low, flying low in a helicopter is inherently dangerous, but you get the most epic shots. So, so FPV kind of has been able to open this door where I can just get these insane shots where I'm diving through tree gaps and like getting shots that you literally couldn't get it. Even if you had a death wish, you couldn't get them in a helicopter mm -hmm. just because you wouldn't be bombing through <laughs> gaps that are that small. Yeah. So yeah, yeah it's kind of filled that, that void for me. If, if people listening are not familiar with FPV drones, it's, it's a kind of a different thing than just like a normal phantom uh mavic or type of uh, dji standard drone with like a stabilized gimbal that gets those cinematic shots with fpv it's kind of insane you can really fly in like a 3d space you can go straight up you can go straight down you can do loop-de-loops all sorts of crazy things and uh if you haven't seen fpv before go search on uh, youtube for uh, just fpv drones it's pretty amazing and it um, I think it'll continue to advance as technology uh, continues to advance. Um, yeah, they're like they're really like little cool. hot rods because they're just stripped down to the bare essentials. It's literally a carbon fiber frame, mm -hmm. some motors, a couple circuit boards for your flight controller, and a giant battery. And then you just stra strap a GoPro on it. And you need, of course, you need transmission and receiving things for your radio and your and your goggles because you fly first person. It's called FEV because it's first person view. So you put goggles on, you see out of what the drone sees, and uh, it's it's a pretty fun experience for. You know, for me, I guess the knowing, I mean, having experience in flying helicopters, um, that's obviously very intense as well. But for people who aren't used to that, you know, flying FPV feels like you're literally flying. 
And that's, it's a, I know a lot of people when they fly FPV for the first time, it's liberating because it's an experience that you've otherwise never would be able to get. So a lot of fun. Yeah, it's pretty magical. Um, do you have a, like, cause I know in uh, Canada, especially the drone laws have, are pretty strict. Do you have a special case because you're an actual pilot? Do you have like a special license for that? No, I, I, don't, I don't have my part 107. Ironically, I have a rotary wing, a rotary wing license, a rotorcraft license, um, a commercial license for helicopters, uh -huh. but um, I don't have a drone license. I just, you know, fly, fly, fly as a hobbyist. And that's the end of this first part of my conversation with Becky and Chris. Can you believe it? It's already been an hour. I interviewed them for well over two hours. There's a part two of this episode with Becky and Chris that will be coming out next week. And we go into more detail about the YouTube experience and all the things that they've learned uh, over the last couple years doing that, as well as answer some questions that you guys gave me on Twitter. So make sure to subscribe to the Golden Hour podcast. Make sure that you are here and ready for the next episode that will go live next week. Once again, thank you guys for listening every single week to the Golden Hour podcast brought to you by the Polar Pro Studio. I'm your host, Dave Mays, and we'll see you next week for part two.